friends, Mao York here. It's good to be with you again for this week of the series of daily devotions uh, in the book of Zechariah and Malachi. These are the last two books of the Old Testament set in the time immediately after the exiles returned to Jerusalem, having rebuilt the temple and its altar, as well as the walls of Jerusalem. The books of Zechariah and Malachi are important as they close the Old Testament period and foreshadow what is to come in the New Testament. Today we're going to look at Zechariah 9, but before we get there, let me ask you this question. Do you rejoice when you hear about hostilities ending and peace coming? I'm told that at the end of the Second World War, there was so much rejoicing, people were dancing in the streets of Sydney. I know for me, when I hear that a war is coming to an end or a conflict has ended, I'm so thankful. I don't like the idea of people out there killing each other over land or power or some sort of ideology. The end of hostilities and the dawn of peace brings comfort and hope. Zechariah 9 has a similar message where we see the opposition of God's people come to an end as God deals justly with their enemies and provides hope in the coming King. Let's turn now to Zechariah 9. Zechariah 9.1 starts out, A prophecy. The word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach and will come to rest on Damascus. For the eyes of all people and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord. Tyre has built herself a stronghold. She has heaped up silver like dust and gold like the dirt of the streets. But the Lord will take away her possessions and destroy her power on the sea and she will be consumed by fire. Ashkelon will see it and fear. Gaza will writhe in agony. And Ekron too, for her hope, will wither. Gaza will lose her king, and Ashkelon will be deserted. A mongrel people will occupy Ashdod, and I will put an end to the pride of the Philistines. I will take their blood, uh, take the blood from their head, from their mouths, their forbidden food from between their teeth. Those who are left will belong to our God and become a clan in Judah, and Ekron will be like the Jebusites. But I will encamp at my temple to guard it against marauding forces. Never again will the oppressor overrun my people, for now I am keeping watch. So these verse, first seven verses of Zechariah 9 declare judgment against Israel's enemies. God will punish them by taking away their possessions and consuming them with fire. Their hope will be lost and they'll be held with fear because of what God will do to them. The immediate question is why? What have they done? Well, we see this in verse 8. They oppressed and overrun God's people. They were the enemies of God's people. But now God is not going to allow enemies to oppress his people. He's not going to allow that to happen again. In fact, the territories of God's enemies will become God's territory. And many of the people will be brought over from the nations to be his in his covenant. God himself will encamp at the temple and guard against the forces that might come to overrun his people again. How? Well, we see this answer in verses 9 to 10. Let me read them now. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. 
he will proclaim peace in the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. How will God protect and guard his presence among the people represented by the temple? Well, it's through the king that God will send, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This king will also proclaim peace and his rule will extend from sea to sea. God's promise of protection to the returned exiles continues in verses 12 to 17. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your son Zion against your son's Greece and make you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow will, fl will flash like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south and the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and roar as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. So, God will send his king and with the coming of the king, God will also jump into action. Notice the amount of times I appears in the passage. Notice what God will do. He will free prisoners in verse 11. He will rouse the sons of Zion in verse 13. The Lord will be with them and appear over them in verse 14. And in verse 16, the Lord will save his people as a shepherd saves his flock. These verses describe the coming of the king and yet at the same time, God is the one who acts. This passage has traditionally been seen as messianic. In other words, it's a passage that the Jews believed was referring to God's chosen king coming. Notice that the king is victorious and righteous. He brings peace and has an almighty rule from sea to sea. So here, God, through Zechariah, is providing hope that God's Messiah is coming and will bring about peace and righteousness. And this is how Zechariah ends. It's also how the Old Testament closes with this hope of a new king. Now, in the New Testament, we see that the Gospel writers also understood this text to be messianic. Actually, when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, the foal of a donkey that had never been ridden before, in Matthew 21, verse 4, Jesus, Matthew tells us that Jesus' actions of getting on the donkey and riding into, it into Jerusalem is a direct fulfillment of this passage. If we continue on in Matthew, past verse 4, we see that the crowds welcomed Jesus as the king as the one coming in the name of the Lord, as they threw down branches from trees and spread them uh, their cloaks on, on the road. So Zechariah tells the returning exiles that there is hope which is fulfilled in the coming king. And now we know through the New Testament that Jesus is the fulfillment of this. He is the king who has come. 
He is the one who will bring peace and righteousness. Friends, let me conclude with this question. Is Jesus your king? And if he is, how are you allowing him to be king in your life now?